Keep coming. What? Welcome to Arizona Boomer Radio with the Boomer and the Babe. Arizona Boomer Radio gives voice to 1.4 million boomers throughout the Grand Canyon State and beyond. Each show has a different guest and a different topic. We hope you enjoy the relaxed, conversational style of the show. Nothing fancy, just boomers sitting around the table talking about stuff. Now here are the hosts of the show, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Live here at the uh, Festival of Cheer at the area sports complex, the Benefit Benedia. And uh, we're going to be having more people coming by and interviewing more folks through the balance of the afternoon. And also, I'll have to take a break and go up uh, on the stage and do some introductions. I believe of one more act before the stage acts are done, and then we'll be able to. I'll just spend the rest of the time interviewing folks up until approximately 3 o'clock. So, uh, that being said, we're going to just kind of leave it going uh, for the ambient sounds, and uh, we'll be back before very long with another guest. Thank you. And we'll hope to hear you stay with us. And here we'll be uh, with a mystery guest for the mystery guest signs in, please.
over this thing. That works right. Okay. All right. Okay, we're back with another guest, just as promised, a mystery guest. And now we have a mystery guest answered. Her name is Allison... Cagle. Cagle. And Allison Cagle... What brings you to my radio booth today? What do you do? Well, I am the director of Worthy Child Development Center over in Surprise, Arizona. Uh, so what, what was the name of it? Worthy's Child Development Center. Okay. Yes. And uh, as the director of Worthy's Child Development Center, uh, what do you do there? Well, we offer preschool for ages three to five years of age, and we also offer full daycare from six weeks to three years of age as well. So we have a variety of options for uh, working families and also stay-at-home moms with our uh, preschool-only programs that's available, as well as our, like I said, the full uh, child care options. So everything that you do is preschool. Uh, then they leave you and they go to kindergarten. To kindergarten, exactly. So in our preschool programs, um, what we do is um, when they start off in our infant room, they work their way off learning um uh, self-help skills as far as being able to put on their own clothes, they're learning their ABCs, um, learning their colors, uh, things of that nature, and then we work some way all the way up to preschool where they're learning letter sounds, um, phonics, having to do with that, uh, writing skills, to writing skills, math skills, so we are making sure that they have the grounds to um, take them off to kindergarten, um, so making sure all those skills for them are well-rounded and we're able to adapt them into social situations as well, so that's very important at that age. So is it safe to say that when a child leaves your care and goes off to kindergarten, they are quite like more likely than not to be further ahead than the average kindergarten? Exactly, and that's what we strive for. We've actually had a lot of parents come back um, that have gone off to kindergarten over the last few years just to thank us for the job that we've done. Their child has succeeded in kindergarten, and some of them are even getting placed in uh, those uh, special programs, which advances them even further. Well, I, I do know of whence you speak. I have two granddaughters. Ooh. One is six and one is three. The six-year-old uh, went to pre preschool and was immediately placed very shortly into pre-K, pre-kindergarten. And then at this particular facility, uh, which is a a church church affiliation, uh, they also have kindergarten. She she flew through kindergarten like she she was, when they had a reading session, she was the reader. She was reading to the class. And now that she's in first grade in public school, she's reading at a third grade level. Wow. Uh, her math for the week is done by Tuesday night. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it just, uh, her, her homework is done rather by Tuesday night. And and it's and she has a a, a big jump. I mean, she, she's a very intelligent child. They're contemplating whether to put her in a gifted program mm-hmm. or not. But uh, nonetheless, she's, a, she's an advanced student, and a lot of that is due to the fact that she had this early exposure. Her three-year-old sister, completely different child, but nonetheless still able to see exactly what's going on. So, I mean, the exposure for these very young, these very young types is uh, is really important. Exactly, it's extremely crucial. 
because sometimes parents forget the social aspect as well as the academics. Sometimes the academics is very pushed on to them where they've got to take a step back and realize just the, the pure interactions of day-to-day with other children is just as important, learning those verbal skills, learning how to communicate in a society because um, everything, you know, is moving to the digital age and technology. So some of those skills are kind of being put at the wayside. So we really focus on having a well-rounded program that introduces all aspects of those types of activities for the kids so that they can be socially adaptable as well. Well, you're speaking of technology. It reminds me of that commercial you see on television where the grandfather is saying, well, I've got a, I've got a, uh, a, special, a special consultant or whatever he says, and uh, he gets on the phone and he says, can you tell me how to do this, this? And he says, no, Grandpa, I can't. He says, what do you mean? What kind of an operation are you running? He says, well, Mom says i got to go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but that's really the way it is. I mean, my my six-year-old, I'm six-year-old grandmother, she's a whiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the little one, the three-year-old, is right behind her. And it, and they're doing playing games on the iPad and the iPad. Phones and, yeah. <laughs> and all this kind of stuff, and, and these and these are learning games that they're playing. So I mean, it's, it's really technology really plays an interesting role in things nowadays, and they are so far ahead of where any kids were, especially kids my age, maybe yours. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> uh, what what is your what is your background? Your personal background? I mean, you 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 have a degree and so on and so forth. So. Right. I have a degree in elementary education with a focus in psychology and early childhood as well. So when I started off, I actually started off in the preschool field and uh, did my student teaching in kindergarten and first grade. And so throughout my early years, I kept getting drawn back to preschool. So I've been um, a teacher in the preschool classrooms. I've also, um, like I said, given taught in the kindergarten. And um, I have assistant directed and now was being the director at uh, this center. So um, it's been a wonderful experience because I've had exposure in, you know, the elementary school system as well as different types of schools, both private and both corporate. So I've gotten to see a lot over the years, and um, with Worthies in particular, it's been great to develop the program further and take it to the next step. With us being somewhat new, we're only a few years old. So we've had um, a great opportunity to uh, set up our curriculum for the children. Because sometimes um, you go to centers and they're very um, across the board. Um, you know, at Worthies, we treat every child as an individual. So we get to know them before we even place them in any certain kind of groups or activities. So that way we're making sure that child fits the seat. Um, because without they, them succeeding, you know, every day is not, it's not going to be fun for them. So we've got to make sure that we're making it fun and interesting and really knowing the child so that we can, you know, take them to the next level. Why is it that you have chosen to go into the private education sector rather than public schools? I feel that although, you know, the public sector is, you know, great to work for and they're doing, you know, some really good things, I think with the private you have a little bit more um, resources and um, a better shot to make the program what it needs to be for the kids. And it's not focused on what someone's telling you to do. You're really focusing on the true education needs of the children and making sure, you know, you're taking care of them and the families. Because a lot of times, you know, Getting the parents involved is just as important as teaching the child and caring for the child. It's got to become full circle. Well, I I noticed via via my granddaughters 
that, uh, especially now that the oldest is in public school, it's testing, yeah. testing, testing, and testing right. to see if well, how they're progressing. Because that's how they get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how they can ensure their job security. Right. Uh, so they're teaching to the test. That that's a buzzword. Isn't it? <laughs> teaching to the test. Yes, this is very true. Um, you know, and that's part of the thing. Obviously, you know, I grew up going to public schools until I had the choice of college to go into the private um, sector. But you know, not every child is a tester. Uh, each child learns just as you know adults do in different ways. You've got your visual, you've got your hands-on, and that's why we believe in making sure we know how that child learn. Because when you're thrown in to take a test, it doesn't always come out the way you need it to. Yeah, I I I was never a great tester. Yeah. Myself. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I would. I I. Where I have high blood pressure at right. a very young age because I, because you put the word test in front of me and I go oh my no no exactly and and there's there's a certain amount there can be a certain amount of hysteria panic or or uh, just nervousness right. about about testing and uh, let me go show you that I can do it without you having to test me exactly you know that's kind of the way. I even feel about it today. Uh, I'll just go do it to heck with you, you know. Uh, you'll see. Um, but the teaching to the test thing is, oh, it's, how can I say this nicely? Uh, I, I just I just think it's unfair. Yeah. I, I think it's very unfair. It is. Even with today, you know, here at the festival, cheer our uh, table for work, we've got a variety of crafts set up, but we also have... Um, you know, the visuals out for the kids so we have an example of the craft, how it, you know, could look, and then we also have people directing. We have all types of learning thrown in just to a simple event like this. But it helps those kids because sometimes those kids look at it and it's like, okay, what do I do? You know, some need that verbal instruction, some need the step-by-step, and some just need to see it. So it's just awesome to kind of be a part of something, you know, at an event like this just to help those children and, you know, make them feel really proud of themselves just from doing a craft. I'm, I'm going to venture to say, and, and please, don't be bashful about correcting me if I'm wrong, I'm going to venture to say that doing it, uh, being involved in education the way you are, an educational instructor, uh, allows you to have more input, possibly, because you don't have to conform to uh, the template of what education is is said to, just as you're talking about, uh, to said to be that a, a, a child at this, of this age should be doing this much, and this is how you prove it. You don't have to worry so much about that template because you're private, and you can get them there some other way. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why a lot of our teachers, um, they're all amazing, you know, at work season. They really understand, you know, how to get kids there. We don't have to worry about hitting, like you said, that, you know, certain level for test taking or whatnot. We're just really able to take our time and really get to know the child so that they can succeed. Without them succeeding, they're not going to function as a valuable member of our society. And, you know, a lot of that's lost nowadays. The, uh, here's, here's what I've seen happen with my granddaughter. Um, an accelerated student. 
I mean, if not gifted, certainly accelerated. Uh, and realized as such by her first-grade teacher, which is to the first-grade teacher's credit, in my mind, because she's a she's public education. Uh, and there are others of her ilk in that first-grade class or the first-grade classes. And what they're doing is they're developing not a completely at this point yet a gifted program, but they're teaching uh, at a little higher level to this group of kids that they're starting to put something together for them specifically directed for the fact that they have a little higher awareness, a little, little more talent or whatever the case might be uh, mentally. Uh, so that's to, the, to a credit for a public educational system in my mind, to be able to do that, because there are kids like my like my granddaughter, the six-year-old, who is advanced, and she gets to school, and she is just, oh, oh, what is this? I did this a year ago or a year and a half ago in pre-K. Right. And she'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they will. <laughs> Don't you worry. They will. Exactly. Yeah. But the point the point is, what can you do in your position? Because you certainly don't want to hold them back. You don't want to slow them down. What can you do in your position to see or try somehow that when they go to the next step and they go to a, a, the public schools, that is there anything that you can do to help those instructors recognize and realize without being oh I know what I'm doing don't talk to me kind of think about it right. is, is there anything or do you do anything like that at all you know we do we're able to um, talk you know there's free, uh, free uh, kindergarten testing so when those kids are going to test to get placed for their kindergarten programs we're able to communicate with the educators in the public sector, even in the charter schools, and able to let them know at what different levels. You know, even though they still will get tested, they're able we're able to give some of our input, which helps them further in their early years. Well, I tell you, the educational system has certainly changed from what it was that I went there. It's like uh, learn your multiplication tables. Uh, make sure that you put this tail on your on your letter when in your handwriting. Exactly. You know, and uh, it's it's a lot different nowadays, and I think it's changing in some respects for the good, but other other respects, it's um, it's it's not for the good. And I think it's very important that we determine what they are, what the differences are. Exactly, and get an early start. So anybody, I would recommend that can. Um, afford it in their early years, you know, pre-K, is to get their child into a program, even if it is a couple of days a week, that socialization alone and the environment of being in a child care setting really does wonders. And, you know, studies proven that the earlier, the earlier they get into, you know, a learning environment, the better that they're going to do later on in life. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for coming and visiting with me today. Oh, thank you very much. And it's been a pleasure. An enjoyable conversation, and uh, good luck in everything you're doing over there at the, what's the name? At Wurtzies. 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 It's a tricky name. Well, spell that for me. It's W-I-R-T-Z-I-E-S. Wurtzies. Right. 
Child Development Center. And you can just Google Worksies? Yes, Worksies.org will get you to our site, and then also through Benavia.org, who um, we're under, obviously, for our organization. Okay, very good. Awesome. Thank you very no, much, Thank you. you. Nice meeting you. Thank you. Take care.
Tell me I lost my signal. Uh, but I've been in uh, biology and herpetology and entomology ever since I was probably about five, six years old. 
catching everything from wild geese to, to tortoises and bringing home stray dogs and, and all that. It's been in my blood. So how did you actually get started in this business? Uh, I started just, I thought, for some reason, I just kind of woke up one morning and said, you know, these, these are really cool uh, frogs or lizards, and I just started going out and catching them and learning about them, studying them, writing, you know, drawing pictures of them, doing anatomy of them, um, taking animals, uh, like finding clutches of eggs that are in, like, a drying-up swamp or, or a vernal pool and bringing them home, raising them, re-releasing them back to the environment. Um, and it just kind of kept on. Just I've always, I've done other things in my life, but I've always come back to this. And you just, uh, you stuck to the career, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I definitely did. Um, it's just, uh, it was a love for something that I, I wouldn't trade for the world. I, I just really love dealing with such these animals. There's the, the underdogs and misunderstood animals that they have. A similar to the snake, you would snake, it's slimy, it's gross, it's poisonous. No, there, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and I just, I just have a blast with it. I just like to see people faces go from you to, oh, that's kind of neat, and breaking down uh, stereotypes and barriers. Actually, snakes are not slimy, are they? Nope, they're not. They're really smooth and shiny, so they have a appearance of being slimy. Yeah. yeah. Not even, actually, not even frogs are slimy. They're very cool, kind of a balmy, tacky feel to their skin. When they get wet, they feel slimy, but it's just wet and smooth. So, uh, do, you have a, do you have a family of your own? I do. I've got five children. Uh, one from natural birth, and then four other adopted. And do your, do your kids take an active role in what you're doing? Yeah. In fact, my uh, my oldest, my daughter, and then my my uh, second oldest, my son, is are both manning the booth right now, uh, teaching people about the animals, telling them how to hold them and stuff. So it's fun. My daughter wants to be a uh, exotic vet. Uh, veterinarian. Really? Yeah. Very, very neat. Yeah, they, they love it. So she's not so much a fan of cockroaches or uh, uh, or scorpions before, but she'll get over it. She didn't like the tarantulas either. Probably about a month ago, she held one. Now she loves them. So we'll see. <laughs> now, is this your only job? Is this what you do for a living? Uh, this is my main job. I also do little side stuff on the I, I got a degree in not only science, but also a degree in uh, graphic design. So I do a lot of studies. Uh, work full-time for a graphic firm right now, doing graphic design, web design for them. Uh, but basically, this is my full-time job. So this is where you've, you've cast your lot, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, definitely. And you've been doing this since, what, this, uh, uh, January of last year? The official business oh, this started in 2012 in January. It's, yeah, but I've been doing it. I've done other things like this before. Right. right. So now, uh, how does the business pay for itself? Um, well, it's a good question, actually. Um, a lot of there's a lot of other businesses that do this in Arizona. Uh, but what their thing is is they tend to have their own stock of animals. So you're, every time you book a show, you're going to get the same show over and over. Not only that, but with all these mouths to feed, they have a very high overhead, so they're going to charge you 250, 350, and even more. That's sometimes substantially more. Whereas I work with uh, local, uh, with not only uh, the Arizona Herbological Association, but Phoenix uh, Herbological Society, Phoenix Zoo, private collections, and stores like Arizona Reptile Center. Uh, and when someone calls and orders a show, I call them, make, make the phone call, say I need this and this and this. I go and pick up the animals, and they get out of their enclosure, they get handled, and they get in, in touch with humans, and they become less bitey, so they're more adoptable and more sellable. And then when someone says inevitably, hey, where do I get this ball python, I refer them back to the store. And that way, if they get free advertising, I get free animals, and the animals get out and get exposure, and it's everyone wins. And then with that, my rates are are only $100 an hour, whereas the next person up beyond me charges $250 an hour. So, it's, and I, like I said, I fully customize your show. You can book me 15 times to get 15 different shows. So, I, we may have you one time, and we may have a... Uh, uh, 
several different types of snakes. Uh, we may have uh, a, a lizard or two, uh, and some other uh, cold-blooded animal. Exactly. Uh, and then the next time we may not have any snakes. Exactly. And uh, unless, of course, we say we'd like to have yep. Uh, yep. Uh, whatever boa or whatever, whatever. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, now, do you take? You take uh, poisonous snakes out. Uh, I do bring venomous animals. Um, I I work with uh, Arizona Herpetological Society, and a certain shows will say, "Hey, I'd like to have a venomous animal." Uh, so I do have access to rattlesnake, heel monsters. They're they're permitted animals, so they stay in the enclosure not only for everyone's safety, uh, but part of the permitting is they're not to be molested in any way. So they stay in the enclosure unless they have to be taken out for you know be food transported. Otherwise, they're not touched. So it's for observational only. Um, but still, people get to see animals that probably would never see a rattlesnake in the wild. So they go and they see, wow, this is a fantastic animal. Right. So everyone, again, they get to learn about them. And, and uh, I'll tell people, for instance, rattlesnakes, uh, you know, you've probably gone hiking a million times and walked right by them and never knew they were there. People think rattlesnakes are jumping and flying out of bushes, leaping 50 feet in the air and trying to <laughs> envenomate everyone they see. They don't want to be seen. They don't want to, they want to be left alone. They're only going to bite you if you don't leave them alone. And I just tell people, leave them alone. They're fine. Is it? Is it true that, for instance, uh, a cobra? And you see the pictures of the cobra that has been teased or whatever they do, whatever it is, and they and they and they rise up and they they their hood is spread. Is it true that they can only strike as far as they are up in the air? Uh, good question. Actually, uh, a snake striking distance is typically about a third of its body length, uh, depending on the snake. There's some snakes that have a, a longer reach. Um, with uh, like with the cobras, it's funny you mention that. Uh, a majority of people don't realize that the cobras that are in the baskets with the, the things, snakes are deaf. They have no hearing whatsoever. They have no, nothing resembling an ear in their body. Um, so the, the playing of the flu train snake up, that's just a, a, a gimmick. A lot of times, sadly enough, those cobras have been altered. They've had their venom sacs removed. They've been uh, their lips sewn shut. It's kind of sad, actually, to see them like that because they've been mistreated. And once the snake dies, they just chuck it out and they grab another one, and do the same thing. And it's it's kind of a bummer to see that. So, so what brings the snake up? It's the movement of the uh, the fear and and uh, it's an aggressive thing. Is if they're if they're scared, uh, with, especially with the, the uh, cobras, they hood up, they make themselves seem larger. Uh, then they hiss really loud. That's another thing. And then some cobras will be able to spit the venom out. Uh, but they're just kind of letting themselves know. And the animal kingdom figure is stronger. So they're trying to seem as big and powerful as possible to kind of intimidate you. So uh, the uh, a typical diamondback rattler here in, in Arizona, uh, you're, you're walking. I, I, I've seen one year that, I, that, I, that I've lived here, I think. Maybe, maybe, maybe a couple. Uh, I've seen one that I know of. Uh, we were playing golf, and one of the guys in our golf course, instead of walking down the path, decided he was going to cut through <laughs> some vegetative area, mm-hmm. and he stepped right over this doggone snake. Nice. And the snake, and it was a, it was a little snake. Yeah. A baby. Is the baby snake more deadly than the adult snake? No. Um, typically, uh, an average is called a yield when they bite and venomate. Um, 30% of, of uh, bites from a rattlesnake are dry bites. There was no venom in, in, uh, injected uh, to begin with at all. Uh, secondly, uh, that same uh, misnomer goes for scorpions as well. Um, they can they see the prey, they'll, they'll pump it full of venom. If they feel they need to bite it again, they're going to pump it full of venom again. They usually have um, a certain amount, like say a, a 
one mil one mil uh, milligram, no milliliter, one milliliter of of, uh, of venom uh, or more based on the size of the animal. But they're not going to use all of it because then they know if they use all of it on you, they can't eat you. They know they can't eat you, so it would basically be dumping their whole bit of venom into you for no reason at all. Then they got to sit around and starve until they can produce more venom. So they're going to use just what they feel they need. So it varies. They're going to use just what they feel they need to get the job done. Well, I heard along those same lines, and here again, this is one of those I heard things, <laughs> uh, that the baby snake uh, is more dangerous because they will secrete more venom because they don't know yet how to necessarily control or realize how much they need. Um, yeah, it's, it's a wives' tale. Like I said, with scorpions, people think that scorpions, smaller scorpions are more deadly than the adults. How that got started, as far as I, I'm under the impression of, is uh, baby scorpions are notoriously hard to see. They're, they look like navel like They're so small. So they are in the office of everyone in Arizona has the beige carpet, which they blend in perfectly. If you see a little baby scorpion on the carpet, you won't be able to see it. It's invisible. So you step on it, out, and it's done. You're only going to inject Amount once again to get the job done, and that's it. They're not going to dump everything in there. They're born knowing how to auto to, to auto regulate. So they're not going to go in and, and just keep sticking sting, and sting, unless they have to sting to get you off of them. But the only time they're going to sting is if they get, get attacked or get stepped on. Um, they have, uh, they're not, like I said, they're not just going to dump everything in there. But what happened is uh, it's, it's harder to see them, so they're more dangerous. Turned into their more potent when they're babies. So they dump everything in there. Same thing they said with rattlesnakes. Uh, they, they're going to auto-regulate. Just use what I need, get the job done, and wait. And if I need to again, I'll hit it again. So otherwise, usually one strike is enough to get the job done. I think I, I, yeah, I think I've only seen rattlesnakes in nature, as much as you could call a golf course nature. Um, and that's the only place I've ever seen them. I can't, I can't recall what I've ever seen them. In the desert, and then again, I never really go into the desert per se. But I mean, I've seen them on, uh, over in California. I saw them uh, sunning themselves uh, early in the season on a cart path because they were getting the sun and obviously yeah. warming up and, and coming more lively, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then one that I saw here in Arizona, I heard stories of somebody that saw a whole bunch of them swarming across a fairway. Again, apparently. There may have been, they may have been just recently born or whatever, I don't know, uh, but it was, I mean, a bunch of them. Yeah. But when I was told, I wasn't there. Yeah. So I think this really can't be interesting out here when you're not just playing a nice round of golf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I said it was on the golf course once, and there was a, uh, a coyote ran by three feet in front of me with a rabbit in his mouth, still squealing, and it kind of looked at me like, hey, I was going I'm like, hey, what's up? You're the big one. It just can't run. It didn't want anything to do with me. I'm like, fine. <laughs> uh, California, I had to go. I had to go to a pond and get a duck. Nice. Go into the pond and take the duck and come out with him. Uh, wow. Glad I wasn't swimming in. Exactly. <laughs> so, how many shows do you do in uh, the course of a month? Let's say a month. Um, I usually do at least one show a weekend, uh, and then in between I'll do, depending on the time of year, uh, sometimes I'll do between three and four shows in a week on average, so you know, multiply that times four, so around you know, between 10 and 16 shows a month. So I'd like, to get, yeah, I'd like to get more. Ideally, I'd like to have one show a day or, or more, uh, and then I, can, I won't have to do my second uh, second thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so that'd be nice. But you yeah. know, the infant company, it's, it's going to take a while to get off the ground and get notarized, but um, I, I've got... 
uh, a good fan base. Uh, I've got a, a website, like I said, EchoCritters.com, um, and a lot of people I know in the herpetology field are, are spreading the word, and I know I have a lot of people that are in the, have a lot of families and stuff, so it's at night, I'll be at the grocery store, and they'll come by, hey, Scott, that's the cruise guy. Hi. <laughs> you? <laughs> How you doing? So, uh, every once in a while, I will recognize In fact, my daughter was on a plane from uh, Colorado, and a gal said, oh, your dad's the extra cruise guy, huh? So it's kind of nice to know I'm like, huh, getting popular? <laughs> well, I know. We're the same way. We go out someplace, and I go, hey, do it work. And I go, Huh? Uh, hey, uh, you? Yeah, exactly. Hey, you. Hey, nice, nice seeing you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. How are you doing? How are you been? <laughs> Give me a clue. Yeah, yeah. Don't work with me here. <laughs> and, and you don't mean to do it that way, but I mean that you do in the course of what you do, and in some cases in the course of what we do, uh, people see us, and we meet them, and maybe don't even meet them, but they see us as they've recognized us somewhere along the line and, and you know you don't know you could it's like you're in their living room and they didn't but I don't even know I was there you know yeah, kind of yeah. so you try not to try not to insult them by being Boy, but but after after a while you just go all the way three people knew me today and I don't know where they are you know. <laughs> <laughs> were, they, were they following me yeah I mean, <laughs> cool I got stalkers <laughs> so you got how many critters here today uh, I've got 12, actually. 12? Yeah, 12 animals. Um, I brought two invertebrates. I got a, a vinegaroon, which is kind of like a scorpion-type animal, uh, non-venomous. I have a, uh, a Mexican red rum tarantula that's uh, probably about a, about a four-inch leg span across. Uh, I have a, uh, uh eastern tiger salamander. Uh, those are really fun. Uh, I have a the uh, uh, Okatee rat snake. I have a, uh, a junior size, probably about a year old um, boa constrictor, and a, a, a probably about three or four year old uh, adult female boa constrictor that's actually about eight feet long. Uh, I have uh, I have a bearded dragon. I have a San Esteban Island chuckwallow, endangered species. And what else did I have? I'm not sure I said ball python already. Uh, oh, I've got a, uh, a falcata tortoise, female falcata tortoise, that's about 45 pounds. And a little uh, like a baby uh, leopard tortoise as well. And now you don't, or maybe you do, own any of those yourself? Good question. Uh, the leopard tortoise is mine and the salamander is mine. But what I do is why my rates are lower is that uh, I work with the Arizona Herpetological Association. Um, I'm, I've been talked, been getting more on the, the grounds with Phoenix Herp Society. Um, with the, uh, I do. Uh, uh, volunteer work with the uh, Phoenix Zoo with private collectors. When when someone orders a show, I basically make the calls and say, like Arizona Reptile for Center, right, as, as my uh, victories uh, helps to me. Uh, those guys are fantastic. They're in Mason, Broadway, and Southern. And what I do is I call them up and I say, hey guys, I need, this is going to be uh, like a, what I call the usual suspects, general critters that most people ask for in the shows. So then they, I show up with my bins, we box them all up, take them to the shows, come back get them back to the, so we put them all back in their closures and we're good. So it doesn't cost me anything. I have no overhead with that being said. Um, so uh, with no overhead for feeding all the animals, I have, I have my, my rates are a lot lower, but also I don't have to, I, I can basically uh, uh, go in and say, well, what kind of show do you want? And I don't just have 15 animals. I've got access to tons of animals. Customize it. Yeah. That way everyone gets a different show each time. Then do you base your price on the number of animals you bring? No. Um, I, it's whether it, I can bring uh, 10 animals or 5 animals. The usual amount is about 7. 
Um, it, it based on, on the show. In our show, usually you can get about seven animals and have a good enough coverage, uh, handling, uh, and the, uh, the question and answer situation within about an hour period. Uh, if it's going to be a longer show, then I'll bring more animals or I'll just talk longer about them based on what the, the, uh, uh, the client wants. Uh, so I will bring, like I said, an hour show is going to be 100 bucks, and then if you get book longer shows or more shows, for the same person at the same time, then they get discounts. Like the first one's 100 bucks, the second hour could be like 180 and so on and so forth. And the price uh, break down uh, further as, as you go on. Yeah, the, the, the more hours you have, the less, the less you pay per hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Typical uh, multiple discounts. Mm-hmm. Multiple. Yeah, exactly. And then I got um, uh, hooked up with the YMCA, uh, the Tempe YMCA, and the gal there said, uh, uh, if you can cut up the deal, I'll get you the YMCA gigs all over. And, and I said, yeah, sure. So I cut her a great deal, and then I've, I've done probably about seven different YMCA's oh, and, wonderful. and repeat shows for them as well. So they're always great. They've got great kiddos there. Uh, I've done stuff with the uh, Crisis Center, a couple of shows at Crisis Center where my wife and I got our foster care uh, licensing through them. So it was kind of nice to come back and kind of give back to them, and the kids just kind of blast. And it's just a lot of fun. Everyone has yeah. a great time, and the kids are just like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that was <laughs> so, nice. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, it's been great time to you, Scott. Good luck to you. And uh, now, what, what do you have? Do you have shows? Do you have holiday shows? Do you, do you, yeah, do you, put, Santa, do you put Santa hats on them? Or? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I, I went to the school and they have the crazy hat day at night, so I just put on a funny hat. If they have, like, a theme going on or Halloween, then I'll, I'll kind of jerk apart. Uh, but otherwise, it's just me and my outfit. I usually have my safari hat, but I forgot it today. I ran out the door and went, oh, my hat. <laughs> so... But you don't dress the animals up. No, I don't dress them up. Yeah, I, don't. I, I find that cruel and unusual punishment. Out of I'm pretty sure they're not going to like it. So. Only cruel and, and unusual to yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks again. Give us, your, Thank you. give us your contact information. Yeah, um, you can contact me at 480-760-3986, or you can visit my website at ectocritters.com. That's at ectocritters.com. Uh, you can find information and contact me, and you can also book shows. Uh, I also do... Um, if you go on my website, there's a, a surrender form if you have an animal that you, can't, you can no longer care for. Uh, as long as it's a, a cold-blooded animal, then I, in most cases I can take it from you and I won't charge you unless you have special needs. Uh, both invertebrates and all amphibians and reptiles uh, are welcome, so I do that as well. Uh, once again, 480-760-3986 or ectocritters.com. Scott, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you.
Well, that's going to wrap up our uh, broadcast from uh, Festival of Cheer here, the Benavia Festival of Cheer at the Furious Sports Complex. So uh, we thank everybody for listening. It's uh, been on board with us, whether you've been here all day or whether you've been off or not. Uh, thanks again for being here. And uh, it's been a great day out here and uh, lots of people having a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll, if you weren't here today, you'll consider being here next year. Uh, for the fifth annual festival of cheer. So with that, we'll say good afternoon, have a good day, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and by all means, have an absolutely fantastic holiday and a merry Christmas. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Arizona Boomer Radio with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started.